am Dr. Karen Becker, and welcome to this year's Can We Awareness Week. Can We is the Companion Animal and Nutrition Wellness Institute, and every year we do an Awareness Week to bring valuable insights and information to you, the pet parents. This year's Awareness Week is entitled Insights into Commercial Pet Food. Can we do better? Yes, we can. And every day we're interviewing an esteemed guest within the pet food industry to help us better understand the issues, the latest research, and what we can do as veterinarians and pet parents to nourish our animals better. I hope you enjoy today's interview. Welcome everybody. It's Can We Awareness Week, and we're here to talk about some information, important information about commercial pet foods. And I have with me today, Dr. Laura Gaylord. Dr. Laura Gaylord is a colleague of mine. She is a board certified veterinary nutritionist. And Laura, I'm gonna let you explain. So how do you get the title board certified veterinary nutritionist? Okay, well, yes, long hours, many years of intense study is involved in that for sure. But um, I I started um, similar to most others going to undergraduate school, college degree, Uh, Following that, I went to veterinary school. So first, I became a veterinarian. Uh, After veterinary school, I did go into general practice where I worked for many years, um, always thinking that I was going to do a specialty. I actually considered internal medicine or nutrition, which I actually feel like overlap quite a bit, both both passions in my life. Um, But I ultimately did decide to go and do a residency in clinical nutrition at my veterinary school. I did it on what's called an alternative track which means I kept my day job and kept working. And um, during in between um, seeing clients appointments, I did my residency clinical time, uh, published a paper, did case reports, fulfilled all the requirements that were needed to finish the residency, sat for my board exam and passed that and became a board certified veterinary nutritionist. So I am a veterinarian first, but I'm also a clinical nutritionist. And this brings together both my passion for caring for animals, for wellness, medicine, health, and nutrition in the same degree. That's, yeah, I remember the exam. I, I passed without oxygen. That's the way. <laughs> we try to block it out once it's done because it's quite a beast to pass it, um, but it's uh, it's pretty intense, yes. Yeah, yeah. So what do you do now as a board-certified veterinary nutritionist? What are What is your day-to-day look like? So, so now I am very fortunate. I've been able to really bring hundred percent clinical nutrition um, into my life. You know, I'm able to focus on nutrition practice hundred uh, percent. I see clients still through virtual meetings through tell we do telemedicine through zoom appointments um, by referral from a veterinarian in practice. Usually these are pets with disease conditions, but I also have some very passionate clients that just want the best nutrition plan for their healthy pets too. So we meet together, we go through medical records, we talk about nutrition concerns, and we come up with the best nutrition plan for their pet. Uh, And that could be any diet form that could be homemade. Uh, We do a lot of homemade diet formulations for these pet owners. um, But we also combine that with commercial food options when when needed. So um, you said you you do some healthy pets, but Mm -hmm. a pet parent wanted to get a homemade diet. um, And is there any places they can go to find recipes or places or, or how do they even find people like you? 
Yeah. So if you wanted to do a homemade diet, do make your own pet food uh, for your pets. Um, the main thing is we don't want you to wing it. We don't want you to just go out there and create your own plan because we do see pretty bad mistakes being made when you try to do that. So definitely I, I recommend getting some help with that. And you can go to the American College of Veterinary Nutrition website, which is acvn.org. And there's a full list there of veterinary nutritionists and the services that they provide. And any one of them can help you um, get a nutrition feeding plan for your dog. And there's all dog or cat. And there's also some resources there for some websites that you can go to if you have a healthy pet that you can auto generate a recipe for um, much a very very affordable fee for most people can manage that on their own. Um, but certainly if you want to speak to a nutritionist, have all your dreams answered, your nutrition questions, then we're more than happy to, you know, hook you up through with somebody and get you a contact for that as well. That's excellent. That's excellent. It gives pet uh, parents a, a way, you know, if they want to get into this, they don't go ask Dr. Google, go to this site, get go to those websites and get some diets that were actually formulated for healthy dogs and cats, just like the commercial pet foods are, but it would be a recipe that you know is safe. And it would always have like a vitamin mineral component to it. So they get all their nutrients and, and then none of us have to worry. They're getting good food. So well, in your journey to become a board-certified veterinary nutritionist, um, what what is the what do you think is your passion, or what what is stands out to you through that journey? That I mean, you just feel really good every day getting out of bed and doing this. <laughs> Well, I, I, I would tell everyone, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate that I'm able to continue to work with people. I obviously love animals. Every veterinarian goes into this career thinking I love animals, but honestly, this is a people job. Um, you must love people and animals together, because if you don't help the person, you're not going to be able to help that pet. So I love working with people. I love helping them get their questions answered, getting the best nutrition plan. Um, I, I do love nutrition. I love nutrition nutrition science, both personally and professionally. Uh, and this has given me a way to combine both those passions in my life together. And um, it's wonderful. I'm very fortunate to be in that position. Now, I'm sure as all of us too, though, in that journey of education and achievement, um, there's frustrations too. What kind of things frustrate you or even more important, you get feel the frustration of pet parents. What things do you think we they deal with um, that you're aware of through your work? Well, I you know I I would say first I think veterinarians are frustrated with nutrition in general because we don't get maybe as much education as we would like to get. And it's something that the American College of Veterinary Nutrition is working very hard on trying to promote. The truth is, is that there's very limited numbers of us out there. There's virtually only 96 of us board certified at this time. So we're working very hard to have more people involved to expand the education on nutrition. Um, we, we need a nutrition science that is for health and wellness of pets and not, not necessarily done for the purposes of making a product. 
uh, but definitely focusing maybe on just wellness and health or disease conditions and, you know, not just diseases, but healthy states. So we as veterinarians feel that frustration. I think that translates into pet owners too, because pet owners have lots of questions about nutrition and they may not feel like they can have these conversations with their general practice veterinarians all the time. There may be time limitations for that sort of thing in general practice. Um, so, you know, getting in contact with a nutritionist, if you really want, if you have a lot of questions, if you want those answered, um, that, that is a wonderful thing. Uh, pet owners do have lots of nutrition questions. They definitely want to feed their pets the best possible way they can. Uh, and there's a lot of information out there that's conflicting on the internet. So I definitely feel like that's a frustration for pet owners too. Yeah, it, I always, when I'm talking to pet owners, I'm, I'm amazed. Um, it's hard because there's, there's a lot of marketing, right? I mean, it's no different than buying a car or buying the best sneakers or whatever else. I mean, there's a ton of marketing and, and some of the marketing, I think gets so confused with, you know, with, with science. And then, as you said, it, you know, some of the science that's out there is about ingredients um, or nutrients, you know, different types of fiber or different, you know, uh, sources of proteins. And some of that research is really aimed for, um, for them to develop a diet where, you know, you had mentioned before when we talked, uh, the reason we can't say this is the gold standard or this is the best diet for everybody is because we don't have studies even I'm comparing like dry foods for the lifetime of dogs and cats versus fresh foods, you know, for the lifetime. And then veterinarians, we feel, you know, I'm a veterinarian still too, right? I feel, you know, when I wasn't a nutritionist and could just say, look, I'll tell you what we know and I'll tell you what we don't know. I was worried that I was missing something, but I wasn't missing something. We don't have, um, you know, a, a perfect diet or a perfect nutrition for everyone. So it's wonderful to be able to do personalized work with what you do with telemedicine, but I, I feel pet parents' frustration. It's like, well, why can't you just tell me what food to eat, right? And I think until we get that kind of um, research out there, you know, and along the lines of trying to figure out what types of diets are going to give our pets longer lives, healthier lives, disease-free lives, you know, I think we're better at that in livestock, you know, <laughs> in the, but in dogs and cats, it's, it's tough. Don't mind me. You can feel my frustrations too. Yeah, right. You know, and I'd also add to that, that they're all individuals too, you know, every one of them, every dog is an individual. And so it, it, it does require personalization. So you have, you know, 150 pound Great Dane and you have a two pound Chihuahua uh -huh. and they're all different. So what diet works for one may not work for every single scenario. So it requires some, you know, thought on that. So if you could um, give some just pearl to pet parents, you know, based on what you know and what you're doing um, with your own, maybe what, what could they do to improve today the, the, their nutrition for their dog or cat? Well, I would encourage them to be open to um, looking at all food forms. Um, first, you have to decide, you know, what works for you and your family situation, your lifestyle, uh, your financial situation, what you can afford, and you work within that. But I would encourage you to consider maybe looking at adding less processed foods into your pet's diets. I usually tell people if you 
feed a commercial complete and balanced food, whatever that is, that should be 90% of that pet's diet, whereas 10% can be other foods that you may feel are appropriate for treats and snacks, um, avoiding, of course, the, the things that we consider you know, the no-nos, the toxic foods, grapes, raisins, onions, um, fatty foods are usually risky, but other things can be used in that rotation, that 10%. Um, or you might choose to do even like a 50-50 plan where the complete and balanced food forms are shared and rotated over time. So if you wanted to have some flexibility, um, I do counsel my clients on allowing them to do that, how we do that with a transition between foods, and then making sure 100% that we're always conscious of calorie intake. So preventing over overweight and obesity is a priority. Um, it's definitely one factor we have shown that can extend their lifespan if we do a good job keeping them at a lean, healthy body weight. So number one would be, um, instead of veterinarians say, don't feed them anything off the table. If you're eating organic, you know, steamed chicken with fresh broccoli, maybe a you could share a little bit. Don't go crazy, right? We don't want to go crazy. But on the same token, if you're feeding a dry kibble, you know, using some frozen veggies, making an extra serving or some blueberries or apples, things that are safe um, and adding some fresh food or looking at some of the fresh food type foods out there, maybe using some of those with the dry food which is more processed, that kind of combination. And then you mentioned also the idea that maybe staying with just one diet right up might not be the way to go. Maybe doing slow transitions to other types of diets or other brands of diets to have um, a, some very, you know, variety. No, I know and you know that we can't prove that, that that's the best way, but it, it seems like it might help I, you know, I, I worry about them always on that same diet, maybe changing diets every three months, something they could talk to with their veterinarian, you know, how's my dog or cat look right now on this food? Maybe if I try something my vet helps me with and we do that transition, would they do better on a different food? How would you tell that they would be doing better though? Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a good idea to try if your dog has that flexibility and we, we can try different foods safely and do transitions. I tell people to keep a diary, you know, keep a list um, of foods you have tried and try to track responses, you know, save the label, save the ingredient list, save the guaranteed analysis. So you have an understanding of what the, the macronutrients are in that food. Um, Cause you might find over time that there are certain foods they do better on certain macronutrient profiles. They do better on if they need a lower fat diet versus a higher fat diet or certain ingredients that are better, better tolerated. Um, all that's really great information. So if you're taking notes and kind of keeping track of that over time, in hindsight, you can look back and see what, what foods, what ingredients, what types of diets your pet does best on all that's really great information to have. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's a, I hadn't thought about keeping track too, because then you can tell, you know, um, this got this much protein, this much fat. So my dog did really great. And then if we wanted to change, you can find something that maybe a different diet that looks like that. The other thing I always tell clients, I, I said, you know, if the, the scoop is in the poop, because not pooping as much, they're usually absorbing more of those nutrients. Because I get some clients who think dogs should go four times a day or five times a day. And, you know, that's a lot of 
you know, stuff not going into their body and making them healthy. So anyways, but the other thing I want to ask you, so what do you feed your own? <laughs> so your children, your furry uh, children. <laughs> my furry children, right. So um, I do a combination of 50-50 homemade diet and um, dry kibble, or I am leaning towards an air dried kibble um, because I think it's less processed, but um, you know, so I'm experimenting with that. I've tried numerous different food forms. My dog gets to be the tester for all the different diets I want to try, but that that's kind of where I've settled in um, and making homemade is, is a commitment. And I, I want to experience that. So I have empathy and sympathy for my clients. Um, but it's going really well and he loves his food. And I will say, I think he looks fantastic on that combination. So it's sort of like, um, we don't eat perfect, right? I don't eat, I eat some processed foods, some ultra processed. Yeah. So it's kind of balancing that with some of the fresh, you know? Um, okay. So I'll admit I'm a crazy cat person. (laughs) And I do the same. I have my little homemade recipe I make for my kitties. And it's it's very, very low in carbohydrates because they are true carnivores. Um, so I call it my mouse-like diet. And they get a little bit of different types of kibble and a little bit of canned. I use the kibble for all their food puzzles because, you know, cats need to hunt and, and prowl around. And I probably have every food puzzle on the market. I'm just crazy about giving them that hunting experience. But I do think it does make a difference having a fresh food component. So still got to watch calories because I mean, the number one disease, just like in humans is overweight obese. So we really, really got to make sure that our dogs and cats aren't overweight. And that's really something for every pet parent to address straight up on every visit. Look your vet in the eye and say, look it, you can tell me because we always say we're always trying to tell vets it's okay to say your dog's overweight and vets sometimes get intimidated by that but maybe we should ask tell pet parents you go to your vet and you say i want to know is my dog or cat overweight because i know they don't live as long when they're overweight and they have more diseases so you can tell me (laughs) what do you Absolutely. I think we, we need to be proactive about it and, and we want to catch it early. You know, we don't, we don't want to catch it when their body condition score at the highest numbers, the seven, eights and nines, we want to catch it when it's a six, because it's a lot easier to restrict a little and stay on top of that. So that, I totally agree with that as a priority. Exactly. Well, I want to thank you again for a wonderful conversation. Lots of good information for our pet parents for our Can We Awareness Week. Uh, We're focusing on commercial diets. Thank you, Dr. Laura Gaylord. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for having me today.